Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Happy Father's Day and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage and tonight we have another special program for you as we have a guest evangelist with us in studio. As always, if you would like to join in on our conversation this evening or if you have questions or would like prayer, we have call screeners standing by and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. I want to give a shout-out to a listener named Stephanie who visited us this morning in church. Stephanie, thanks for listening to our program, and thanks for visiting us. Pastor Matt, what is Revival? Revival? Well, our program tonight is going to be on how with God nothing shall be impossible. So Revival can be defined in various ways, Mm. but one way you could say it is when in your heart you believe that there's nothing impossible with God. Yeah. That's one way. I mean, I have a book in, by another evangelist, and it's called The Return to Normal. So some have said the revived, the revived Christian life is really the normal Christian life, mm, because the good. normal Christian life should be the spirit-filled life. Yeah. And Brother Van Gelderen, who's here, I'm going to steal your definition. You, you basically say that revival is a restoration to the spirit-filled life, mm. and so which should be the normal Christian yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And when you're spirit-filled... Nothing is impossible Amen. for God. And that's what our program is going to be on tonight, Micah. And I'm so glad that you could be with us once again to join in our conversation. And we are blessed to be joined by evangelist John Van Gelderen here tonight. Thank you for being with us, brother, for the fourth time in New York City. Uh, it's great to be back. Thank you. It's a joy uh, to be here. Just tell the listeners as we begin just how long you've been in evangelism and really how did God lead you into evangelism? Well, I've been in evangelism over 31 years now. Wow. And uh, when I was uh, called to preach at 15, early on, God put it on my heart, the concept of being an evangelist. And, and then over time, uh, God uh, uh, confirmed that through studying his word later after I'd been to college and so forth. Uh, I was back on staff in Chicago with my dad and began to study that and began to sense that, that yes, in fact, that's what God uh, wanted me to do. Mm. And my dad wanted me to pastor the church in Chicago, which would have been a, you know, a dream. It was a, it was a, it was a large church and all of that, but I, I, I had no heart for it because God mm. put it on my heart wow. to do this. Mm. And then uh, God used uh, an evangelist named Bill Rice III. Uh, he uh, uh, had... Uh, mentioned several things to me, and it it really confirmed the Lord's timing in my life. And my dad, uh, through that, sensed the same thing, and so I launched in uh, January of 1992. Dr. Bill is a friend of ours also. He's Ah, such a great man, such a sweet-spirited man down there at the Bill Rice Ranch in Tennessee. Yes. And I know you're named after his uncle, right? John John R. Rice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, was it hard for you to get meetings as a young evangelist? Well, you know, God uses different things for each one. He, he, he's the one who opens doors. In my yeah. case, uh, we sent out a letter to about 5,000 churches that announced that I was going to an evangelism, okay. had a little brochure of what I believed. My dad put a little blurb. And, yeah. uh, and that went a long people, way. Be, because yeah. people knew my dad, yep. that's how God used. Sure enough. That's how he opened doors for me. Amen. Well, praise God. That's a blessing. 
John, and, and the Lord has used you, I know, in our church and wherever you've gone. Tell, tell the listeners as well some of the interesting places maybe where you've traveled and where have you really experienced the reviving hand of God? Well, over the years, I've been obviously in the United States the most, uh, but uh, I have uh, preached in about 20 countries thus far, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been interesting that the Lord has uh, moved in, in both here as well as in other places. I remember in the summer of 2000, I was in uh, Ireland, mm-hmm. and a whole church had taken off work. We all went to a conference ground, and on the second night, uh, God just moved. Now, the week before, I had been on the island of Lewis. I was investigating the Lewis revival with Duncan yeah. Campbell. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, intercessors from that revival who was still living mm-hmm. uh, prayed for my wife and I. I'm sure wow. there's a, there's a, a definite connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, mm-hmm. I was in Ireland, and God began to breathe. We had uh, services uh, in the morning and the evening. And then we'd have these after meetings, and God would just come down. And two hours would go by like ten minutes. Uh, because God's presence was there. And uh, people were uh, dealing with sin. I mean, uh, sin was coughed up. A lot of teenagers dealt with all sorts of things, and uh, adults as well. And then within two or three days, they were cleaned up and rejoicing in the Lord, and it was a radical impact for them as well as me. Yeah, and Duncan Campbell, didn't he say revival is a community saturated with God? that outpouring of the Spirit where God manifests His presence. Wow, and so one of the, the sisters related to that revival prayed over you and your wife. That's that's so sweet. Yes, it's actually one of the brothers. It was a, oh, oh, a, one of them. Yeah, a guy named Donald McPhail. He was oh, a teenager okay. in the revival, got saved, grew quickly, joined the praying men. Mm, Twice okay. when he prayed, the fire fell then, and then uh, we got to meet him. He spent two hours with us. He yeah. prayed, and then God moved. Mm, that's great. Tell us about another time. I think we were talking about the Chin Hills a yes. little bit. Tell yes. us about that. There was a revival in the Chin Hills back uh, in... And where uh, is that? Where okay, is that? that would be the western part of the country called Myanmar, okay. formerly known as Burma. Uh, they have states, and so the Chin State, uh, there's a there's a place there, the, the capital city is called Hakka, and in uh, 2005, if I'm remembering correctly, there were some evangelists that uh, led a group of uh, people to pray, and they fasted a couple of days on the top of the mountain, and God stirred them. And so they continued to once a week meet to pray and fast, and then in April, they organized the youth meeting. It uh, God moved so powerfully, it spilled into nightly services. Those services went on for the next 249 consecutive wow. nights, mm. uh, drawing two to 4,000 people a night. Uh, over that uh, time period, uh, there, uh, 30% of the capital city of Hakka was converted, born again, and 56 churches were started. At the time, I wanted to get into there, but the, the government there would not allow anyone else in. But I did uh, get to go in legally uh, in uh, uh, 10 years later and met uh, people that were converted in that revival, went to the places, and even still, there was the overflow. We had a service, a, a gospel service, uh, where I believe three to 400 people were born again that day, the most I've ever seen. And it was just an overflow of what God was still doing there. Amen. That's, that's wonderful. We're glad and looking forward to what God will do this week in New York City and our prayers for revival. Our city is so desperate. Our nation is extremely in need of a turning back to God. And, dear friends, we want to invite you out to our revival meetings this week. Monday through Friday at 7.15 each night will be at 633 3rd Avenue. That's right in the heart of Manhattan, New York City, right by Grand Central Station. So if you can get to Grand Central Station, just walk over a couple blocks to 633 Third Avenue. That's easy to remember. Just remember Matthew 633. Just make a beeline there because you say, I got to seek first the kingdom of God at 633, yeah, you know. Third Avenue. And they'll let you on in. Come on up at Suite 13E Monday through Friday this week at 715. And we're also going to have a pastor fellowship 
on Tuesday, and you're invited. It's not really a, it is a pastor's fellowship, but it's a church-wide fellowship. So it's for the brethren uh, around New York City. If you want to come, get some good fellowship, and we'll have a luncheon at the end of the meeting, but it will start at 10 with preaching, and we'll conclude right around 12. So Evangelist Van Gelder will be preaching two different sermons and that's going to be held at Bible Baptist Church in Elmont, New York, 779 Elmont Road in Elmont, New York. That's Tuesday at 10 a.m. And, Brother Van Gelsen, what do you, you told me you were going to speak on on that Tuesday yeah, meeting. Yeah, Tuesday morning we want to deal with uh, Psalm 68, which says, Let God arise. Mm-hmm. And it defines it a few verses later as the manifest presence of God. So the filling of the Spirit is when God fills an individual with his life. That's revival on the personal level. But the outpouring of the Spirit is when God fills the atmosphere with mm-hmm. his life. Oh, and that yeah. is that larger oh, move of the Spirit. And what we'll do is we'll detail the times that God has done that in a powerful, extensive way in the history of North America, uh, especially here in the States, but even before we were a country. We're going to walk through the seasons of refreshing. Amen. And we know that you have studied revival. We're looking forward to that Tuesday. That's Tuesday, and that's June 20th at Bible Baptist Church in Elmont. If you'd like to come out at 10 a.m. to hear God's work of revival in North America. And so... Let's get into our text tonight. We're going to look into Luke chapter 1, and our theme verse is verse 37, and we're going to read this passage. Verse 37 says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So that will be our conversation tonight, nothing impossible with God. And so, Micah, you'll start us off with our reading as we get into Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Yep. 26, and in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. The next verse says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seen I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for this hour that we have coming up here, Lord. We just pray that your spirit, Lord, be with us, be present with us as we discuss this wonderful story in the Bible, Lord. Revive us again, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And so this evening, we want to look how nothing is impossible with God. And Brother Van Gelderen has suggested this passage of Scripture for our conversation tonight. So thank you, Brother John, for being here and for encouraging us to look into this great passage of Scripture, for with God nothing shall be impossible. So we're going to see a few lessons tonight yes. from this passage. And the first lesson we see is that, that of God's specific word. So what is God's specific word from this passage? And I even believe that verse 37 has this word, rhema, in it. And yes. So can you explain that word, rhema, what that means, and what is the main lesson of God's specific word from okay. this passage? Super, super. Uh, in Romans 10, 17, the scripture says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, there's two words in the Greek language that primarily are translated word in the, in the English language. One is the term logos. That's a larger term. It's often referring to the entire word of God. Like when Jesus said, thy word is truth in John 17, 17, mm. he used logos, the whole thing. But the other word is the term rhema, which you just mentioned. And that's a specific slice of the larger whole. It's a specific word. It can be as specific as one word. It can be a phrase. It can be a, uh, a sentence. We often call that a Bible verse. It can even be a paragraph. The point is the rhema is a specific truth in the larger whole of truth. And so what's interesting in our text, you say, well, where, where does it, we don't see the word word here. Mm. Well, it's fascinating. I remember years ago I was studying something and I was uh, looking up something in the Greek concordance, uh, which is obviously instead of looking at the English word, you're looking at the Greek word. And then uh, I was just uh, thumbing through it and I saw that uh, I saw the term rhema. And that truth had been a blessing yeah. to me because when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it lets us know that the foundation for faith is specific, not general. Now, that's a wonderful truth in and of itself. Mm -hmm. We're not in this nebulous general thing. No, the foundation of faith is when God speci specifically speaks to you with a very specific truth. That forms the stepping stone of uh, a step of faith. And so that, uh, when I saw that, and I was just going through the, uh, just flipping through, and I saw the term rain, I said, oh, let me look and see where this is in the Scripture, because sometimes it's translated in different ways. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, in Luke 1, 37, I saw the term rhema. And you say, well, where is it? Well, it's combined with another word. The word nothing is actually two words. Yeah. For with God, no mm. rhema shall be impossible. No word. Yeah. No Any word that word. God gives is possible. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> right. So it's just, it's a marvelous truth that there's this specific truth that, that, that uh, is referred to here for with God, no rhema. And it helps us because sometimes people, when they talk about that nothing's in, uh, impossible with God, they'll ask foolish questions like, well, can God make a rock bigger than he can lift or that mm. kind of thing? Those are foolish notions. Mm. That's not what it says. It says for with God, no specific word of God mm -hmm. is impossible for God to do. We're not talking about foolish notions. We're talking about God's will revealed through specific truth. Yeah, and Jesus said that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word. rhema yeah, every of rhema. God. Yes. And Ephesians 6 is the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God, the word of God. Absolutely. So, so we need to know these specific words. Would you say that rhema could relate as well to even specific Bible verses that people... Absolutely. And so we need to 
be equipped with an arsenal truth. of specific verses to deal with specific issues or problems or trials or troubles or temptations that we go through. Absolutely. Yeah. I, ha- I have a grandmother who was uh, often called because uh, to, to pray because she got answers to prayer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I asked my aunt one day, I said, how did, how did grandma go about that? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, she took her Bible. She sat on her favorite place on the sofa. Nothing magical about that. We all have our favorite chair. <laughs> and uh, then she would say, now, God. So-and-so is called. Here's a need. I know you can do this. There's nothing too hard for you. But I need to know if you will. Hmm. And she would look to the Lord. Lord, would you lead me to, 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 would you give me a word, a rhema? And she would sometimes look at passages that would be similar to what's been, uh, uh, what's it, the burden at hand. Sometimes God would give life again to a rhema that would be in that germane vein. Sometimes God would guide her to a new passage. Sometimes it would come quickly. Sometimes it would take time. But she knew the importance that faith has to have a foundation. It's not wishful thinking. Mm. It's God's will revealed through God's Word as the Spirit of God takes a specific truth and makes it come alive to your heart yeah. so that you know, I can trust God for that. And and that's what Paul is dealing with, too, in Romans 10 when he says faith comes by hearing and hearing yes. by the Word yes. of God. So there it's not like it's not like the whole Bible... Although the whole Bible is inspired. Right. The whole Bible is equally inspired, equally inerrant, equally authoritative. But we need to know specific Absolutely. verses. And when those specific verses are applied to our lives in specific ways, that's where the faith comes. Yes, absolutely. So we need to know specific words of God in specific situations. And like you said, the Word of God comes alive and say, yes. wow, this is the Word of God. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So praise the Lord. And thinking of a rhema of God, as I pondered Luke one thirty seven, Micah, I thought mm-hmm. of that rhema, if you will, of God in Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20, mm-hmm. where Jesus was talking about a mustard seed kind of faith that can move mountains. And Jesus also said there, nothing shall be impossible unto you. And people face all kinds of impossible mountains, yes. like temptations. Depression. We're living mm-hmm. in a depressed yeah. culture these days. Sickness and cancer, debt and bankruptcy. So people are facing mountains. They need yeah. a rhema, a word of God. So what are some of the great mountains maybe that you or others you know have had to deal with? And what are some specific words of God that can overcome these mountains? Yeah, well, the other night in our men's Bible study, one of the brothers shared a word of encouragement with the rest of us, and it was Romans 8:28. And, of course, that is mm. a very famous verse. And yeah. we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. So he really wanted to drive home the point that whether you just got a new car or whether your car was being repossessed, all things work together for good whether things are going well in your marriage or whether you're going through a time of separation. All things work together for good. And if we believe that, then whether we're facing sickness or relationship problems or unemployment, we can trust God that he can do the impossible. And it's actually our duty as followers of Christ to believe that. God can heal our bodies. He can open a door of employment or reconcile damaged relationships. But no matter how he works, we can be confident that it is for our good. God desires for us to trust him. And I just thought that was a good word. He shared it. You know, we've heard that verse a million times. And it blessed the other brothers in that Bible study. That's right. That's right. And we need to apply those words to our situation. It's not for somebody else. You know, and Jesus said this as well in this passage where he says, nothing shall be impossible unto you. But then the next verse, he says, how be it, this kind goeth not out, but by 
prayer and fasting. And that's an important word because this kind, that means that there are certain kinds of situations we face that are more difficult to get through, to work through, to overcome than other situations. Mm -hmm. And some marriage difficulties that some people have are, 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 are just so difficult, you've got to give yourself to prayer and fasting. Mm. But when you have the Word of God with you and you apply the Word of God, nothing shall be impossible. You can overcome, dear friend. Don't let the mountains of trouble discourage you and defeat you. This kind goeth out, not out, but by prayer and fasting. I think of marriage problems, too, you know. With mm. How many secular marriage counselors do you think would counsel somebody going through a marriage problem that prayer and fasting yes. would be a good way to overcome that marriage difficulty? But that's... That's what it even says relating to prayer and fasting in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, where Paul says that, it, don't, you know, give yourselves to fasting and prayer. Mm. You know, so people have asked me, John, through the years, do we fast, still fast and pray in these days? So, and, and this passage, Jesus is talking about prayer and fasting. Is So is prayer and fasting still for today and how we can see mountains moved in our lives? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when it says this kind, obviously there's nothing hard for God. Mm -hmm. So the hard part is for us. (laughs) In other words, for us, we look at it and say, whoa, I can trust God for that, but but that, oh, that seems too big. That's where the prayer and fasting comes in. It is not to strong-arm God. We're not... We don't strong arm God, and no. it is it is not a meritorious thing. Mm-hmm. Faith is not a work; it's dependence on God to work. So, what's going on with prayer and fasting? It's that situation where the degree of difficulty just seems so beyond. It seems so far, so mm-hmm. hard. Not for God, but from our standpoint, it seems way too hard. Mm-hmm. And so, the prayer and fasting is what God uses to bring us back to faith, to bring us to an actual confidence. That God can and not just can, God will do this. Mm. And so it's allowing the Lord really to work in us as we do away with normal, uh, legitimate things like food. And we tell God, God, I need you. And I need you to step in. And I can't fake this. And I don't want to have wishful thinking. I want real faith. But I need you to bring me there. Mm. And God does through prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. Dear friends, if you're going through a great trouble tonight, This man, in Matthew 17, his son was demon-possessed. He brought him to the disciples. The disciples couldn't handle him. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus cured him. We're not Jesus, but we believe God answers prayer. Mm -hmm. And we believe that there's nothing impossible with God. And so if you have an issue tonight you want us to pray with you about, give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. And we won't pray with a lot of callers online, but... If somebody does call with a special need, maybe we'll have Evangelist Van Gelderen pray with that person that has a special need. You can call us right now at 929-333-3739. We also have two awesome call screeners here tonight who are here to take your calls. So get to us right now. Maybe you're going through this kind of a problem, this kind of trouble, this kind of difficulty in your marriage, this kind of physical sickness. Get to us right now. We want to encourage you, pray with you, 929-333-3739. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to a song here, and this song was is sung by? By my wife, Mary Lynn. Amen. And, and it's it's a song about faith, and it's entitled, How We Need to trust him. So call us right now, dear friends. 
and trust God, nothing is impossible with Him. has a beautiful voice, brother. Trust in God, dear friends. Who else are you going to trust in these, this day and age? You can't believe man. All men are liars. Didn't the Bible say that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're seeing that all over the place. It doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem to matter what you turn on, what media outlet, what person you listen to. All men are liars, but God cannot lie. That's why we can trust Him. Dear friend, we invite you to our revival meeting this week at Heritage Baptist Church. We'll be having great revival services Monday through Friday. So that's June 19 to the 23rd, beginning Monday, ending Friday, 7.15 each night, meeting at 633 3rd Avenue. 
and that's in a commercial building. We're up on the lucky 13th floor. 13E <laughs> is the suite number. Come on out. Visit with us. We'd be honored to have you. And for our guests this week, you know, we have some extra Father's Day gifts. We have some nice umbrellas we'll give out to some of our visitors. That's what we're going to give to our visitors this week. Some really nice umbrellas, dear friends. Come on out. Visit with us. Hear the Word of God. Let God revive your heart this week. If you have any questions, call us right now at 929-333-3739. So, John, we're looking this evening in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. What a word, what a rhema this is. For with God, nothing or no word shall be impossible. And there's a specific power that this verse focuses upon. So why don't you develop that for us? Okay. So the follow-up to the lesson of God's specific word is the lesson of God's specific power. So what it says, for with God nothing, no rhema shall be impossible. The last three words, shall be impossible, come from one word. And it means, shall be not uh, of a nature that God can't do it. In other words, it's simply saying that there is no word of God, a word of God beyond the power of God to fulfill. Amen. No specific truth beyond the power of God to bring to pass. And in the passage, the illustrations are absolutely stunning. Because this, as, you, as we've already read, this is the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. He's probably a teenager, uh, upper teen perhaps, mm. uh, but nonetheless, a young lady. And, uh, and he speaks to her and says, you're, you know, you're highly favored, you're blessed, and so on. And she's wondering, what kind of greeting is this? Mm. And then... He tells her that she's going to bear a child. Now, Mm. she goes on to say, well, wait a second, I'm not yet married. How Mm. is this going to happen? She's not doubting that it will, but she's saying, how, since I know not a man. Mm. And so that's when uh, the angel says to her that the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And uh, so that that uh, Holy One, which will be born of you, will be called the Son of God. Mm. So here's the point. The rhema, there's several of them here in the passage, But the rhema that is the big deal here is that she was going to have a virgin birth. Mm. (laughs) And then the angel, as he continues on, says that this this child that will be born will be named Jesus, and he's going to be the Messiah, uh, the the king to reign, and, and, and so on. And then knowing that she might... You know, wondering, uh, you know, this is really, really big. He reminds her that her cousin Elizabeth, who was past the age of childbearing, is now... Uh, several months pregnant, six months pregnant, that's in verse 36. That's when he says, for with God, no rhema shall be impossible. Look, your cousin, who was past the age of childbearing, is is now pregnant. God performed a miracle there. God can can perform this miracle for you. Now, here's the point for those of you that are listening. Obviously, right now, you might be in some crisis. You may have some great difficulty. There may be this mountain that's in front of you, and it just seems too great, too big. Well, here's the deal. If your problem isn't any bigger than a virgin birth, mm. then God knows how to do this. Yeah. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. There is no word of God beyond his power to bring to pass. Amen. And it even says in verse 38 where Mary says, Be it unto me according to thy word. There's mm. that word rhema. Yeah, there really it is again. again. So she referred, she's holding to the word yeah, absolutely. right there. She got it. And believing that God could even bring about a virgin birth. What a mighty miracle. Yes. That is above really, I mean, that is a 
miracle of quintessential importance because mm-hmm. it's only been accomplished one time yeah, exactly in human right. history. Mm-hmm. Yes. As as singular as the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, as singular as the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. from the dead, mm-hmm. as singular as the outpouring of the Spirit on that day of Pentecost is a one-time event. So, mm-hmm. Micah, why do you see the virgin birth as such an essential doctrine, a great word of God to man for our Christian mm-hmm. faith? Yeah, well, Pastor, as you just mentioned, it, it wasn't a once-in-a-lifetime event here. It was a once-in-history event. You know, the whole calendar is yeah. based on the birth of Jesus, everything that came before right. and everything yes. that came after. And the virgin birth, it's essential doctrine in our Christian faith for several reasons. So let me just name them off here. So number one, the virgin birth fulfills prophecy regarding yeah. the Messiah. So Isaiah famously prophesied in Isaiah 7:14 that the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And in Genesis 3.15, a verse that we know as the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel, God tells the serpent that he will put enmity between his seed and the seed of the woman. Well, women don't actually have seed the way a man does, so this verse also implies that no human man would be involved in the conception of the Messiah. The second reason is the virgin birth is essential doctrine because Jesus' birth was a miracle. God became man. Word became flesh. It was a miracle, Mm. and it should not be surprising to us that the circumstances surrounding his birth are also a miracle. And a third reason, although some people may debate this, I believe that because Jesus did not have a human father, he had no sin nature. No sin nature was passed down to him. In other words, if the sin nature was passed through Adam and then subsequently through every human father— Since Joseph wasn't involved in Jesus' birth on a physical level, well, Jesus didn't receive the sin nature. We know that Jesus was undefiled according to Hebrews 7.26. It says, For Jesus, such a high priest, became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Amen. He was conceived by the miracle of the Holy Ghost. Did you want to add anything to to that, John? No, that's just all. That's tremendous truth. Thank you, Micah. Yeah. Well, this is Father's Day, and when we think of Father's Day, we think really, I mean, this is such an important time in America for fathers to be raised up. We need godly men to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, to be men like Joshua of old who would meditate on that law of the Lord day and night, and to be successful by the power of God like Joshua of old. So, On this Father's Day, John, could you apply this verse or encourage fathers to trust God for impossible things, to live out godly fatherhood? Absolutely. We're living in a day when fatherhood and manhood is just being attacked left and right. And this is a, a great time for fathers to consider when God says that with him, with God, no rhema shall be impossible. We can ask God, God, guide me to specific truth where you can demonstrate who you are. I mean, human fathers are to illustrate our heavenly father. And so there needs to be a God-sized vision Mm -hmm. and therefore God-sized faith for God-sized demonstration of who God is in our day. Mm -hmm. And fathers have the privilege to say, God, my wife, my kids, they need to, to know you. They need to experience you. They need to see a demonstration of you now. And uh, and maybe you have a financial need. You can say, God, would you guide me to some specific word, like my God shall supply all your need. But more than just, well, let me just try this. God, would you guide me? Mm. Give life. 
and uh, show me uh, what I can trust in and show uh, who you are to my family so they know God stepped in and did this for us. Amen. And it lets them know that our Heavenly Father loves them and cares for them. Amen. Yeah. And as uh, Pastor Van Gelderen is talking about God guiding fathers, I think one thing amazing about Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, in the story of Jesus' birth is how God so specifically directed him and protected him along the way. And in the Matthew account, I see no less than four times that the angel of the Lord directs Joseph in dreams. There was mm. the original dream where he said, Joseph, Mary, Mary, um, she's you know pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Then there was the dream that warned Joseph to flee to Egypt, protecting Jesus and Mary. Then there was the dream telling Joseph to come back to Israel after the death of Herod, and ultimately a dream telling Joseph to take Jesus to live in Nazareth. A new poll finds a majority of Americans disapprove of the indictment of former President Donald Trump over the alleged mishandling of those documents. More on the story from correspondent George Williams. That number, according to a Rasmussen Report survey, finds 54% of likely U.S. voters think the federal action is bad for America. Compared with 34%. You know what I thank God for? Hmm. I thank God for the wonderful fathers in yeah. our church. Hmm. We have some godly fathers seeking to love their wives and bring up their children for the Lord. And if you're looking for a good church where there are some godly examples of fathers, visit us at Heritage Baptist Church on Sunday. I was going to tell where people where we meet, but we're not going to be at our regular place. Yeah, this Sunday we're going to be meeting at our church <laughs> office. So if you do want that address again, it's 633 3rd Avenue on the yeah. 13th floor at 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. This Sunday only, but usually we meet at PS3, which is 490 Hudson Street. And that's another reason to just... You know, encourage the people of Heritage Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. You have to be very smart to be a member of Heritage <laughs> Baptist Church just to find out where we're going to be. <laughs> That's great. You never know. But but the, this coming Sunday, very unique, we'll be at our church office. We'll have a service at 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. at 633 3rd Avenue. And that's Sunday, June 25th. And, of course, we're going to have revival meeting through the week. So come on out. Visit us Monday through Friday at 715. If you have questions and if I'm confusing you, which is a very strong possibility, you can still call us at 929-333-3739. And we're also going to have it on our website. So at hbcnyc.org. We have a great website. Mm -hmm. Brother Tito does a fantastic job with our website. Mm -hmm. And I I believe there's going to be a pop-up announcement. It might already be there. As soon as you go to a website, it'll say our service on Sunday will be at our church office. Just on June 25th, we'll be back at, at our regular meeting place at PS3 490 Hudson Street on July 2nd. So, dear friends, be godly. Fathers, mothers, young people, Live for the Lord. Love Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Mm. That's our conversation tonight. Mm -hmm. It is Father's Day. So, Micah, let's stick on this for another moment or two. But you, Micah and Brother Van Gelder, you both have had godly fathers who really lived the Lord, His power in uh, in your life that you saw. So, how can you... how, how have you seen your father demonstrate God's power in your life? And then how can you encourage our fathers listening tonight to mm-hmm. live by God's power? Yeah, well, two aspects of my father's character that stand out to me are one, unconditional love, 
and two, a rush to forgive. You know, my dad was never one to hold a grudge or even let negative feelings linger after maybe a difficult encounter with one of his kids, um, maybe even me. <laughs> and both of those characteristics point back to God, our Heavenly Father, yes. who loves us unconditionally and forgives us continually. So I would encourage all fathers listening this evening to work on those two characteristics because an attitude of love and a readiness to forgive it's not easy to maintain, but it's necessary for love to freely flow between fathers and children. Yes. Brother John? Yes, my dad was really, I, I think I can honestly say, the godliest man I ever knew. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, spirituality, what is it? It's being rightly related to the Holy Spirit. He understood the Spirit's leadership and power, and uh, and he just walked in the Spirit, which means he was very practical when it came to regular things that are down to earth. But in that spiritual realm, he understood the Spirit's voice. And because of that, there was a constant putting forward of vision. Because, you know, God's God, and there's always going to, you know, God's on the move, and there's vision. And so Dad was always communicating, look, uh, whatever God leads us to do, he will he'll enable us to do it. And so followed up, uh, uh, there was vision, but there was faith. Mm. And uh, there was uh, many times when I saw uh, Dad get stirred by the Lord to a vision for some particular matter, whether mm-hmm. it's church-related or in our own personal lives, mm-hmm. and then uh, would trust God for it. And then even when it came to just personal things, I remember when I was 18, there was a situation where I had to go to the doctor and so on, and there was the possibility that I might have cancer. Mm. And uh, Mm. so uh, uh, when all of that uh, came to pass and the uh, doctors made the phone call and said, it's not cancer, everything's uh, clear on that, I remember my dad came rushing into the room and tears were in his eyes. And uh, I found out from my mom, he had prayed, I think, all night. The bottom line is... He was going to God, and God came through. Amen. You know, when I think of my dad, I think of involvement. You know, my dad was so involved in our lives growing up. He was our Cub Scout leader. He he was my baseball manager in the in the little farm league. And then when I moved up a division, he was my baseball manager in that division. When I moved up to the next division, he was my baseball manager. And and I remember then then when I moved up to the next division in baseball, he he was an umpire. And one game, I was a catcher, and my dad was the umpire. So he was behind me calling ball of strikes. I didn't want to argue with him on the ball of strikes in that game, you know. But then my brother comes up to the plate. So, I mean, that was, oh, wow. that was precious, you yeah. know. My dad, the ump, I'm catching my brother. Come on, strike him out, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, fathers give you memories like that. Dear dads, build memories. Get involved with your children. Pray with them, as Brother Van Geldren Mm. just said, and lead them and show them the way of Jesus Christ. Lead them to Christ. Share the gospel with your children. And if there's a father out there, again, who would like for us to pray with you, we will pray with a dad. I would love for Brother Van Geldren, if there's a dad who will call right now at 929-333-3739, we would love to pray with you tonight. Call us right now, 929-333-3739. So we're looking this evening for with God, nothing shall be impossible. We looked at the specific word and how there's a very interesting word hidden in the English text, but it's the the Greek word rhema, no thing or no word shall be impossible with God. Then we looked at God's specific power and that there was no specific word beyond the ability of God's power to do. And Brother John, the last point that we have tonight to focus on is the lesson of 
man's specific faith. Specific faith. So can you develop this point on how this is a lesson of faith? And does this verse give us a key to accessing a spirit-filled life of faith? Yes. Okay, beautiful. So when God gives his word, when the spirit of God takes the truth of God and makes it come alive to you so that God is speaking, he's revealing this is what I want to do, obviously he has the power to bring it to pass. But if we do not respond, then we mess out. And what you referenced a moment ago in verse 38, here's the key. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And it is that word, Rhema. So here's this tremendous statement from Gabriel Gabriel about the virgin birth. And this child's going to be the Messiah. And she says... I believe. Mm. Be it unto me according to your specific word. And without that faith response, (laughs) then God would have had Mm. to do something different here. But the point is, she did respond. But the lesson for us is we need to respond. Mm -hmm. When God stirs us, it's not just so that we can be stirred. It's so that we can respond. And when we do, then he brings it to pass. So when he stirs us with his word, he's revealing his will. When we respond in faith, then he demonstrates his power. So the faith response Mm -hmm. brings us into union with God's will, his leadership, Mm -hmm. and his power. And without that faith response, we miss out. Mm. So when God stirs you, recognize he wants to do this. And that's when we've got to trust. Yeah. So we need that specific faith. And you said even now that if someone doesn't exercise faith in the word of God, when God stirs them, they have to exercise faith Mm -hmm. in that word. And if they don't, then they miss out. They miss out. And so, dear friend, we don't want you to miss out. Mm on what God could do in your life. And that begins with salvation. You must be born again. So, in other words, if God stirs your heart to call on the name of the Lord, you've got to then exercise your faith to call on Him and receive Him and trust and depend on the finished work of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you so that you don't die for your sin and He rose again from the dead. You've got to exercise faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And if they don't believe, they miss out. They miss out. So uh, uh, you're an evangelist, brother. So I I just want you to reach out to someone without Christ tonight and challenge them to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Friend, if you're listening tonight and you do not yet know Jesus, it's not an accident you're listening. It's because God is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. That's why you're listening. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, hey, what you just heard Brother Matt say is the truth. We all must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Why? Because we're sinners. Jesus is the Savior. We can't save ourselves. He came into the world. The whole uh, reason for this virgin birth is to have this sinless uh, Jesus who went to the cross. Our sin was put on him so that his perfect righteousness could legally be put on us. And he will save us from sin. And uh, he moves in. He gives us his eternal life. So if you're here listening and you do not know that your sins are forgiven, you do not know that Jesus has ever moved into you, Mm. You do not know that you have his eternal life, and thus you're on your way to heaven. Then why not right now where you're at, just just in your heart, say, God, I get it. I've sinned. I deserve judgment. But I see that Jesus is the Savior. Uh, he died for my sins. He rose again. And right now, just call on Jesus to save you. Amen. In other words, depend on him right now. Say, Jesus, I take you as my Savior right now. And the Bible says, Jesus said, he who believes on me has 
immediately eternal life. That's a rhema you can stand on. Amen. And I love what Jesus said, dear friends. He says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So come to him. Yeah. And I just, uh, in the story of Jesus' birth, there are so many people who really are standing on this word of God. They display great faith. Mary, of course, is the first one. And her great, great faith is actually shown in contrast to Zechariah's lack of faith. Earlier in Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel tells him that he's going to have a son, and Zechariah doubted, and he was actually punished for it, becoming mute. But Mary immediately believed what the angel told her, and even though it was almost impossible to believe, she believed it. And then, of course, Joseph, as we spoke about earlier, he believed the word of God when it came to him, and he displayed great faith. And Elizabeth, you know, she had great faith when she encountered Mary and knew immediately that Mary was pregnant with the Lord. She was that in tune with the Holy Spirit. In fact, she said in Luke one forty five, And blessed is she that believed, and there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So we have Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, even John the Baptist in the womb, and they all lived spirit-filled lives, and they stood on the Word of God. Amen. You know, it's so interesting here that these people, they, 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 they were not using God as a genie. This was not their naming it and then claiming it. They heard God name it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then they went in and yeah. claimed it. Mm-hmm. That's what made the difference. And see, that spirit for life is that it's the life of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Here's where we're at. It's right where we started. When God speaks and you respond and you depend on what God says, He brings it to pass. You're walking by faith. You're walking in the Spirit. And that's when He enables you with the very life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, dear friends, maybe your faith is something that you would say tonight, this is impossible. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with this anymore. And maybe you're about to quit. But I say to you, remember, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I think of Abraham. You talk about impossible. Yes. Yes. I mean, there he was, 99 years old, and his wife was 90, and God was telling him he was going to have a baby, and both Abraham and Sarah were just cracking up about this mm. and and laughing. And, and God says, it's not a joke. And Isaac was born. Yes. And they said, call him Isaac, which means laughter, you know? Mm. So nothing is impossible with God. I, and I love the story of Paul when he was in Corinth. And God told Paul... No man shall sit on thee to hurt thee. Nobody's yeah, going to hurt what you. What a rhema. And man, that's a great rhema, right? Yeah. Especially after you've been beat up and thrown in jail and oh, stoned and left for dead. Paul's like, nobody's going to hurt me here? Oh, that sounds like good. I'm going to stay I'm right taking here. that one. I think I'll stay here. And so, so Paul, I'm sitting right here, you know. So he stayed. But then they brought him before Gallio. And the Jewish people wanted to get the, the smithereens beat out of Paul, you know. But Gallio, but Paul's like, nope, not going to happen. You can say whatever you want, but it's not. And and there, sure enough, things turned around. Paul was not beaten, but it was the Jewish people that brought Paul before the 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 Roman uh, political leader. They were beaten before uh, that that man. So God's word was true. Mm. No man put their hand on Paul in Corinth. That's the rhema. And you know, when I think about that rhema too in Acts eighteen, and I love that that verse is that God didn't give him that promise when he was in Philippi. Yes. You know, God didn't give him that yeah. promise when he was in Lystra. Hey. People laid their hands on Paul mm-hmm. in those places. But God gave that specific promise to Paul in Corinth. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so God could give you a promise mm-hmm. from the Scripture and you can claim that mm. in your particular situation yes. that you're going through. And, and that's the amazing thing about about God's Word, mm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. God makes it come alive for that specific moment. Yes. Amen. Yeah. He sure does. 
So we're talking tonight that nothing is impossible with God. We're going to have a revival meeting this week, dear friends. And we want to invite you to 633 3rd Avenue, Monday through Friday, 715. Would you come? You'll get blessed if you come as we have music and sing, but most of all, hear the preaching of God's Word each night, 715 at 633 3rd Avenue. Go to our website. The information's there at hbcnyc.org. Those are the initials for Heritage Baptist Church, New York City, hbcnyc.org. So there are so many examples of this kind of faith, aren't there, Micah, yeah. mm-hmm. in the Bible? So what are some other examples? And, Br- Brother John, maybe you could think of an example or two as we close this out this evening. What are some examples of someone in Scripture who had a specific faith in God to do the impossible? Mm. Well, we've been talking about the birth of Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew, and I think of Yehoshua in the Old Testament, you know, the same name here, and it's Joshua, and you are you actually mentioned him earlier, Pastor, and I just think of him because he mm. was such a man of great faith in the impossible throughout all the days of his life. You know, we first meet him in Exodus 17 as he is leading the charge of Israel's very first military battle, and God gives him the victory over Amalek. And later in the book of Numbers, Joshua is one of the 12 spies sent to spy out the land of Canaan, but he is the only one, along with Caleb, who comes back filled with faith that God would give Israel the power to defeat the giants of Canaan. The other ten, they doubted and convinced all the rest of Israel to doubt. And then before Moses dies, God commands him to anoint Joshua because he has the Spirit. Numbers 27:18 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Mm. And once Joshua is the leader of the Israelites, we see him with God's power. He parts the Jordan River. He brings down the walls of Jericho. He continuously defeats the Canaanite enemies in the Promised Land. And his great faith in God allows him to do the very thing that he believed from the beginning. Amen. And the specific rhema that God gave him was every place that the sole of your foot shall tread Mm. upon, that have I given unto you. Mm. He he took it. Yeah. 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 When I think of a specific example of faith, and, and we could we could sit here yeah. for the next three Go days, the whole Bible, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and talk about. But I, we just did a series in First Timothy, mm-hmm. and I think of Timothy, mm. and Paul even told Timothy, "Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity." Mm-hmm. And Timothy was a great example of faith, because Paul put Timothy into a lion's den of trouble when he said, you stay in Ephesus. And the more I got to study in Timothy, I saw that was a really distressing situation for Paul's heart because these were the people that wept over Paul, and now they'd all turned against him. Mm-hmm. Not just a few. Mm-hmm. Demas had forsaken him in Alexander, but he said all in Asia are turned away. And Paul's sending Timothy into that situation mm-hmm. But Timothy had faith to stand. Mm. So that's the kind of men we need to be in this day and age. Men, be a man of faith. And let no man despise thy youth. Maybe you're a young dad or a young father. Let no man despise thy youth. Brother John, we're looking forward to the week ahead. Thanks for being here tonight, brother. Yeah, it's a joy. Thank you. We did a wonderful job. Did a great job tonight, Brother John, preaching God's Word. Micah, as always, thank you for sharing the Word. Great to be here. Dear friends. If we could help you at all, give us a call this week. Our church number is 212-947-5316. We're going to have a great night this week 
at Heritage Baptist Church for our revival. Visit with us and have a great night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith